You're listening to Sportsnet Today with Logan Gordon on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Things off on a Calgary Flames game day. Welcome into the Doug Lacey's Basement Systems Hot Stove uh, Hot Stove Lounge. That's where we'll be later on. I'm already getting ready for the game camp. Mentally, we're at the saddle. Mentally, in reality, we're, there. we're somewhere buried. We'll be there later. Downtown. Let's try this again from the Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studios. We'll be at the Hot Stove Lounge later for the Flames and the Preds. We're here for our friends at Doug Lacey's Basement Systems, Crack Foundation, Boeing Foundation Walls. We have a simple permanent solution to stabilize your foundation. Contact Basement Systems. They're all things basement-y. Visit DLBasementSystems.com. It's a one-game homestand for the Calgary Flames. They enter tonight's game at a 3-7-1 record. And they welcome in the five and six Nashville Predators. We'll get you game day audio from head coach Ryan Huska, Nazem Kadri, and Adam Ruzichka in just moments. We'll also get you the latest on tonight's lineup for the Calgary Flames, but still to come on the program later on. Why don't we check in on both sides of last night's matchup between the Edmonton Oilers and the Vancouver Canucks? Two teams going in vastly different directions. Two teams with vastly different expectations to start the season. Man, the Vancouver Canucks, three wins to start the season against the Edmonton Oilers. And the Heat turned up in the Alberta Capitol after another loss. And today it's seen them place goaltender Jack Campbell on waivers for the purpose of reassignment. So we'll get into the Canucks and the Oilers later today as well. We'll check in on the uh, opposition tonight, the Nashville Predators, as they enter Calgary for their first matchup against the Flames tonight. Quick reminder, if you're listening live on Sportsnet 960, feel free to choose the text on the fan feedback line, 960-960. You want to talk about anything that we get to on the program today, You want to talk about the Flames. You want to talk about the Preds. You want to talk about the Oilers and the Canucks. Let's go for it. Monday night football last night. The LA Chargers picking up a dominant win over the New York Jets thanks to their defense. We can hit on any of it. Feel free to shoot us a text on that text line. You might get answers from our outstanding producers as well, Cam and Taylor. They're along with me here. In the Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studios. You already heard from Cam. Let's say hi to Taylor on this Tuesday as well. Hi, Tay. Hello. How are you doing today? I'm good. How are you? We're wonderful. We're getting ready for another Calgary Flames game day. And let's set the table for tonight's game. The Calgary Flames, of course, ending their six-game losing streak on Saturday night against the Seattle Kraken. Dan Vladar got the start in goal. Martin Pospisil made his NHL debut. He scored in that game. Now the Flames need to take that next step in digging out of this early season hole 
and turn that losing streak into a winning streak. And that can start tonight with a 7 o'clock puck drop at the Scotiabank Saddle Dome against the Nashville Predators. Our Flames coverage gets going at 6 with Pat Steinberg. He's got your Flames warm-up show. Derek Wills and Megan Mickelson from the Peter Marr radio broadcast booth tonight right here live on Sportsnet 960. The fan. What can I tell you about tonight's lineup for the Calgary Flames? It will look uh, very similar to Saturday with one major exception. Of course, that is Andrew Mangiapane, who will not be in tonight's lineup for the Flames. He is serving that one-game suspension for the cross-check on Jared McCann, which saw him kicked out of Saturday's game. So insert Adam Ruzichka. He will jump into the fourth-line center spot with A.J. Greer and Walker Dewar. Dylan Dubé gets the opportunity to move up to Manjapani's spot on the top line with Huberto and Lindholm. So your lines and D pairings look like this. Huberto, Lindholm, Dubé. Zeri with Kadri and Sharon Govich. Pospisil with his second straight NHL appearance with Backlund and Coleman. Greer, Ruzichka, Dewar on your fourth line. And your D pairings. Uyghur with Anderson. Hannafin with Tanev. Nikita Zadorov skating with Nick Simone. Jacob Markstrom expected to get the start in goal tonight for the Calgary Flames. The Nashville Predators will counter with UC Soros. Uh, the big question mark with a lot of people looking at the lineups and deep pairings heading into tonight's game has been Dylan Dubé and the opportunity afforded to the young Flames forward who isn't quite as young as some of the youngsters we're seeing in the lineup nowadays for the Calgary Flames. But um, I've seen a lot of people on social media asking why Dylan Dubé is the guy to get that opportunity. Uh, Ten games this season. It's been a disappointing start for Dylan. One goal, three assists for four points. He is minus nine on the season. If plus minus is a category that means something to you, he also has eight penalty minutes on the season. He's coming off of a year. at 45 points in 82 games, 18 goals for the second straight season. But fair to wonder, he hasn't looked a lot like a, a number of Calgary Flames players. Like, He's found his spot in the lineup. We've seen him rotated at center at different spots. We've seen him on different line combinations, whether it's with the Nazem Kadri's line. He spent some time with Lindholm and Huberto earlier this year. Hasn't clicked yet. And a lot of people right now trying to wonder uh, why it's Dylan Dubé there. I'll say this. I, I think that Dylan has the capability. I think he has the talent and the skill set. To, to play with those guys. He's got the speed for sure. But right now, I'm not breaking up the other two lines that Dylan Dubé would be on. Uh, I think the biggest thing for me as I look at tonight's lineup against Nashville, Zary with Kadri and Sharon Govich, for my money, has been their best line the last two games. I really liked the fit with Pospisil, Backlund, and Coleman. And for Zary and Pospisil... Those two guys, you know, your first couple games in the NHL, I don't think you're doing them any favors by moving around their line mates, changing their spot in the lineup. If they didn't look at a place, which they didn't, in my estimation, stick there, make them comfortable. They've both got a veteran center on their line to help provide, you know, some assistance where they need it. And I think that it's it's a wise move by this coaching staff to keep them where they're at. I could listen to a conversation about Adam Ruzichka perhaps getting an opportunity with Lindholm and Huberto. It is his first game back in a little while, though, so 
perhaps this is easing him into the lineup. And I'll, I'll be honest, AJ Greer and, and Walker Dewar are perfect fourth line spot guys for me. I don't see either one of them filling the role um, with Huberto and Lindholm. So that's why I think we see Dylan Dubé get the opportunity tonight. We'll hear more from head coach Ryan Huska on some of his lineup decisions and what he's looking for from his team coming up in just a few moments. But some uh, numbers to throw your way ahead of tonight's matchup with the Nashville Predators. The Flames will look to do something they haven't done in a while, and that is come up with a win against UC Soros. He has been dominant against the Calgary Flames. Soros has not lost against the Calgary Flames since December 8th of 2018. In 11 appearances, his last 11 against the Flames, nine of them starts, two in relief. He holds an 8-1-1 record against the Flames with a 2.42 goals against and a 9.29 save percentage. So the Flames will look to do some damage against a goaltender that's had their number for the last number of seasons uh, in UC Soros for the Flames. Power play going to be critical for this team tonight. The Nashville Predators come into tonight with the 31st ranked penalty kill in the league. They're operating at just 66.7%. They've allowed a power play goal in four straight games. Opponents averaging a 23.1% shooting percentage uh, on power plays against the Nashville Predators. That's a very key opportunity for the Calgary Flames tonight. Only bad news about that for while the Predators PK hasn't been very good they're not giving up a lot of opportunities. They're one of the best in the league at uh, staying out of the box. They're averaging just about eight minutes a night in penalties. So if the Calgary Flames do get some opportunities, they'll need to take advantage of them. And you'll have to guess as to which power play unit's going to show up for the Calgary Flames. It's been an up and down year for Mark Savard's crew. First three games of the year for the Calgary Flames, three for 11. Uh, that's good for a 27.3% on the power play. Next five games, we know they went silent as part of that losing streak. They were 0 for 15. And in the last three games, we're bumping back up again. 4 for 13 for the Calgary Flames on the power play. Just over 30%. So, need to if they get the opportunities tonight, need to show the good side of that power play. The one that's been productive, uh, especially against the Predators team, like I mentioned there, that has not done well on the PK this season. Jacob Markstrom will get the start in goal for the Calgary Flames. He's got a nice little break here coming off of that off day Saturday, which Dan Vladar came in and had a good game against the Seattle Kraken. Uh, he has faced a ton of high danger opportunities this season. Uh, he has faced 93 high danger shots. That is the most in the NHL. He has saved 80 of those. That is also tops in the NHL. Flames will need a better defensive effort. They've allowed at least three goals in 10 of 11 games this season. How's the head coach feeling? They're looking to win their second straight for the first time this season. Uh, the losing streak is over, but the work's still beginning for the Calgary Flames as they look to dig out of this early season hole. It's a game day. Let's hear from the head coach following morning skate. Here's Ryan Huska on Tuesday ahead of his team's matchup with the Nashville Predators. Is uh, Adam good to go tonight? He's good to go. Um, Chris, Chris alluded to American Thanksgiving and that being a little bit of a pivotal point in, in the playoff cut line. Are, is that something that your, your group is aware of? Or, or like? You're aware of today. That's it. You know, you can look at all that stuff all you want, but I've seen teams in recent history that are worse than the NHL at Christmas. They won a Stanley Cup. So 
um, today is the most important day. And the key to, to starting to make up a little bit of that ground is standing certain say what do you want to see out of your group? Um, the key to us making up ground is playing well tonight and putting this game as the most important game. Um, so we have to build on some of the things that we did well in Seattle, and we want to make sure the pace of our game is, is right tonight, and we want to make sure we have contribution from everybody. Ryan, what are you hoping to see out of Adam tonight, uh, at, at having been out of the lineup for the last couple of weeks? Yeah, a lot of the same as to what he was doing before he got injured. He was doing a lot of good things for us. He was protecting pucks. He was strong on it. He was playing with more pace consistently, and I think... Um, He's starting to get a better understanding of who he is and how he has to play as a player. So we're we're looking forward to having him back. He's he's turning himself into an important piece for us. Yeah. What challenges do the Predators present tonight? Um, their back end, very active, is one thing for us. And this year they're not they're not giving up a lot, so they're very stingy. So you have to be prepared to stay with a, a certain game plan and and make sure you're committed to doing it for 60 minutes, 60 plus, if you have to. Yeah. How have you felt your team has been adjusting to the new defensive zone structure from compared to the beginning of the season to now? It's coming. I mean, there's, um, I, as we've talked about, I don't think that's been our, our challenge. It's been what we've been doing with the pucks um, and the chances that we give up off the rush or off turnovers. That's something that we've cleaned up a little bit over the last little while, and it's led to um, you know, less opportunity, I would say, for teams in our zone. So it, it is getting better, but it's still there's still a lot of work to do with it. Is that a matter of being more connected? Uh, in our own zone? Well, just in general, like you talked about uh, cleaning up some of the turnovers. Is that yeah. I don't know if it's that side is necessarily connected. I mean, that's sometimes people trying to do a little bit too much uh, at a certain time, and they play through um, two or three people to try to make something happen for our team instead of making the smart play. Um, and we've done a better job of um, reducing those situations over the last little while. Right, I was just looking at one of the stats. It's like you guys are third last in the league in, in hits. Yeah. Is, is that a product of just every building's different in terms of the way that they mark them, or is that a concern for you? Would you like to see more physicality? Um, well, you, listen, I think everybody would like to see more physicality. Um, you look at our guys, we don't have a ton of physical players. Nikita, without a doubt, is someone that people know when he's on the ice, he's going to finish his checks hard. Uh, a lot of our other players are um, physical in a, in a different way, I would say. So it's not necessarily about blowing someone up like Nikita does. Um, it's about having a good stick and making sure they're forcing teams to make plays under pressure. And um, Connor Zari is not going to run someone over. Typically, Elias won't. We have a lot of guys that are, are really good checkers, but they're not people that are going to look to blow you up like Nikita would, per se. You've been looking for someone to play on the right side with uh, Elias and Jonathan. Why could Dylan potentially be that guy? Uh, Dylan had some pace. He's got some pace to his game for sure, and I thought after he missed his, his recent game, he came back in Seattle and he played more to who he is. Um, he was a, a harder, hungrier player, and um, he's got some pace that can push people back on that line. So we'll see. I mean, we have other people that um, we feel you know, could play in there. Maggie is a guy that's starting to grab hold of that role, but this is opportunity for Dylan, and that's what it's all about. That is head coach Ryan Huska addressing the media following morning skate at the Scotiabank Saddle Dome ahead of his team's matchup with the Nashville Predators Tuesday night. Lots there on Adam Ruzicka, what he was doing well before his injury and what he needs to continue to do as he gets back in the lineup tonight as well. Interesting comments I thought at the end on Dylan Dubé there that, you know, weren't exactly the biggest praise for Dylan. 
Uh, he's getting the opportunity, but, you know, really feels like managers grabbed hold of that spot and uh, was pretty honest with his assessment that it, they've kind of got some guys they like there. And this is an opportunity for Dylan, probably because Manjapani's dealing with that suspension, but maybe not a spot he'd find himself in at this point in the season, if not for those uh, circumstances with Andrew being out tonight. Uh, keep your text coming in at 960-960. The fan feedback line always open to you. If you want to talk some Flames hockey, shoot us a text on a game day. We'll get to the fan uh, feedback line coming up in just a little bit. But, yes, he's back in the lineup tonight. You heard the head coach excited to get him back and going tonight. It's Adam Ruzichka. He also spoke to the media ahead of coming back into the Flames lineup tonight against Nashville. Go through what you just went through the last night. It was four games. I mean, that's yeah. obviously very, uh, yeah. you know, that's a hard one to go through. What kind of kept you uh, thinking that you would be back as soon as you are? Well, obviously it sucks, but uh, I just want to leave it at uh, shoulder injury, but leave it at that. Yeah. yeah. How did, what kind of kept you mentally sharp to be oh, back uh, as quick as you are? Well, there's a good group, group of guys, good staff, and uh, they just kept me happy going to the rink and uh, kept me positive. Yeah. What were you hoping to, to accomplish or do in your first game back from injury? Just pick up where I left off, uh, just be consistent with, I, with my play and uh, just help the team win. How did you feel you were playing prior to the injury? Well, I, uh, I'm not the one to judge, so uh, I'll leave it to some other people to judge how I played. How about when you watch those games, uh, no doubt you kind of get a different perspective of it and a different look at it. What uh, What is something that you noticed about uh, the way the group is playing and where you can help? Well, we played a lot faster in the last two games, and uh, I think we're going to keep doing that. And uh, I am a pretty fast player, so I, I think I'm going to uh, help this team being even faster than the last two games. Hold you to that. Yeah. Do you, do you notice a big difference in what the center is being asked to do in this new system? Yeah, it's a little different kind of job, so I uh, got to adjust to that. Uh, got to uh, get some help from the coaches to get uh, get to know the system a little better. But uh, I played center my whole life, so uh, I don't think it should be an issue. What's the most difficult thing to adjust to in the new system for you? Uh, I think it's the majority of it's the D zone, decent coverage. It's uh, a little different than last year, so. I, I think uh, center has a lot of responsibility there in the, in the D zone. Do you take pride in your defensive game? I mean, is that a part of your game that uh, you're continually growing at and, and working on? And just yeah, I think it went up in the last few years that I've been in the organization, and I've uh, tried to be a two-way, two-way guy since I got here, so I think uh, I got better at that each and every year. Adam Rzichka back in the Flames lineup tonight. He will center the fourth line with A.J. Greer and Walker Dewar. Some of your texts at 960-960, the fan feedback line, always open to you, uh, as you can imagine. Um, not uh, Flames maybe not the top topic for the fan feedback line early on after uh, last night the Vancouver Canucks down the Edmonton Oilers. Oilers placing Jack Campbell on waivers today. Uh, they're expected to recall uh, Calvin Pickard from uh, Bakersfield. And, uh, yeah, it's not exactly the start to the season that anyone in Edmonton was expecting. And uh, I imagine there's a couple people in the Calgary area who are pretty happy about that. Uh, our pal Matt and Cochran chimed in early. Uh, I'm curious, Logan, did the Vegas Golden Knights break the Edmonton Oilers? Uh, maybe. It might be more be the Vancouver Canucks who broke the Edmonton Oilers, uh, at least in three games this year. 
Uh, this text just says, ha, 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 gazpacho to the miners is the best thing to happen today. Uh, that would be in reference to Jack Campbell's soupy um, nickname. Uh, Dave from Calgary says, my question with Campbell going to the miners, does that clear up uh, much cap space for the Oilers? Because uh, I still want to see them suck. Um, and yeah, they'll save about just over a million and a bit with him uh, being assigned to Bakersfield. But the majority of that cap hit still going to still gonna cause them problems. And they won't actually get much savings by the time you bring Pickard's cap hit up. Um, they're not saving a ton of money. This really seems like a move to try to get Campbell's head on straight. Um, but good luck with that. He's been just brutal this year, um, which is something. Uh, this one just says, guys, Jack Campbell, <laughs> LMAO. Um, this one says, any way to fix the train wreck up north? No cap space to make moves, and they just look awful. I really don't know what we'll, we'll chat with Brendan Escott, our pal from uh, 630 Ched and Oilers Now, coming up in hour two. I have no idea what you do if you're Ken Holland. I mean, yes, the easy thing to say is go and get a goalie. But, I, I mean, who is who is giving up an elite goaltender right now? I just don't know who is. I, I mean, if you're the Oilers, sure, pay the price because you, you, you got to get McDavid and Dreisaitl back on good terms with this team going forward. But... Tampa Bay is not giving you Andre Vasilevsky. Uh, Thatcher Demko is sticking around in Vancouver. You name the elite goal, Jake Ottinger, not going anywhere from Dallas. Um, Hellebuck just re-upped in Winnipeg. There's just not a lot of options out there. And like we've talked about, this team has very little cap space. Some of the guys getting paid the most money, that Darnell nurse contract, I'm sorry, it's an anchor at $9.25 million. There's just there's only so much you can do. This team has no cap space and a lot of issues. And be interesting to see. I'm I'm very curious. I don't know that it's the fix but it's usually the easiest way to get out of this situation. If you're a team like the Edmonton Oilers, it's, it's usually firing the coach. That's generally what happens in this kind of scenario. Do I, I think that that fixes all their problems? Do I think Jay Woodcroft is the main issue in Edmonton. No, but is there a coach out there that perhaps can give them some better defensive structure? I, I guess. I don't know how that happens mid-season. Uh, <laughs> this text says, all the big talkers coming out now, eh? Uh, Calgary with the one extra win is stellar right now. This is, uh, and this isn't to this texter, by the way. This is always what happens whenever you talk about the Oilers on Flames Radio is, is it immediately goes back to the Calgary Flames. I'm, I'm not saying I'm it's not great in Calgary. They just lost six in a row, and they, they picked up a win against Seattle. No one here is talking about cup parades or anything positive, really, with this group right now. But you say one bad thing about the Oilers, and it's, it fires it back about the Flames. Well, yeah, the Oilers are, are awful right now. also has nothing to do with the Calgary Flames. 
Uh, this one says Vladar to Edmonton. Of course, a rival uh, rivalry premium cost, of course. I don't know that Dan Vladar figures anything. I don't know that that helps anything. Uh, this one says Radio Talk has mentioned Jake Allen out of Montreal. Is that any better? Is that uh, Taylor, you watched some. Ha- is that better than what they have? I just don't think it will happen, at least not this season, uh, that Jake Allen will be out of Montreal. I just don't even know that that's that much better. What's Allen at this year? Five games, 2.72 and a 927. Okay, he's got good numbers. But, I mean, the guy's never been... His highest games played is 61 back in 2016. He's hovering right around 30 to 40 games most year. Is that that better? Uh, This one says, trade Vladar for the German Gretzky. Uh, Shoop says, Vladar for McDavid. Let's do it. And then, uh, yes, the most popular coaching name around Edmonton right now. Matt and Cochran says, Logo just tiptoeing around saying Daryl to Edmonton. This text says, if I was Daryl Sutter, I'd coach the Oilers for free. And finally, this text says, if they were smart, they'd call up Farmer D. Uh, I have no idea if that's of interest to the farmer. I have no idea if they would be interested in that. But the kind of drama that would come from Daryl Sutter behind an Oilers bench, I... I can't, e- I can't even fathom how much fun it would be to talk about if, that, if that's what happens. I don't know that it's happening. I have no idea. Daryl's getting paid by the Flames. He has no... He doesn't need the money. He doesn't need to rush into it. And I don't know if, if his relationships with, with you know key members in the Flames organization, if he'd ever do that. It'd be one hell of a storyline, though. I can tell you that. Uh, we're going to talk more about the Oilers coming up in hour or two. Brendan Escott's going to join us from 630 Ched in Edmonton. He's producer for Oilers now, uh, but around the corner, uh, Vancouver Canucks look like world beaters right now. At a minimum, they're Oilers beaters, and that's got to be a pretty positive thing to start for uh, their season. Two guys going off. Elias Pedersen, Quinn Hughes look great. How do the Canucks get off to such a great start to this season? Big Nazar from Sportsnet 650 is going to join us next. We're going to chat about the Canucks' hot start to the season. And, of course, throughout the afternoon, we'll continue to get you set for a Flames game day. Flames in Preds, 7 o'clock tonight, right here on your home of the Calgary Flames. This is Sportsnet 960 The Fan. It is the Calgary Flames game day here on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. One-game homestand for the Flames. They welcome in the 5-6 and six Nashville Predators. 6 o'clock, Flames warm-up with Pat Steinberg. 7 o'clock, puck drop with Derek Wills and Megan Mickelson right here on your home of the Flames, Sportsnet 960, the fan. Flames have had a couple of days off in preparation for this next game, and it's led a couple other storylines across the NHL really come up and be our talking points the last few days. And for Flames fans, there's, only one thing that really gets them happier than seeing the Flames win, and that's when the Oilers lose. 
And lately, they've done a lot of that. And they've done a lot of that at the hands of one team in particular who has exceeded a lot of expectations to start the season. Last year, our next guest joined us on a pretty weekly basis. And I'll be honest, we didn't have a lot of positives to talk about. But early on this season, it'll be hard to find some negatives as we welcome in Big Nazar to the program this afternoon. He comes at you down the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline. Bick, how are you, pal? Uh, things are great, man. Things are great. I imagine they are. Uh, life's pretty good. Second in the Western Conference. 19 points on the year. Winners of four in a row. And uh, you've almost secured the season series against one of your biggest divisional opponents. What's the mood like in Vancouver around this Canucks team to start the year? Uh, I think last night was the first time uh, people were like, okay, the the other shoe might drop, but it's within reach. And it's like, oh, it's, it's no big deal. It was finally like, okay, like at one point this will regress, but it's still going to get to the destination you want to. And, you know, for a lot of people, it's like, hey, you got to make the playoffs this year. I think last night was a confirmation of, well, this team's going to the playoffs. Um, if, if you go through it historically, I was kind of uh, mentioning this yesterday on the show, uh, teams that have won nine of their first 12 uh, in the past, uh, since 2005, you win nine of the first 12, 50 teams have done it, 45 make the playoffs. Since 2013, uh, 27 have made the playoffs of the 30 that won nine of the first 12. So, you know, statistically, it's, it's overwhelming evidence that you're going to the playoffs. And I felt like last night for fans was the, oh, man, they, they did it against a desperate Oilers team, came unglued, and it's, it's the type of performance you wanted to see for, for a lot of fans to confirm what this team can be. Is it starting to feel real? Because I know I'm in the Canadian market. You know as well as I do, Big, that there's always that caveat. And you mentioned the word regression, and I'm sure that's been the biggest counterpoint to this start for the Canucks season. But you're right. You can't – you don't get to take away points. You don't get to take away anything from a hot start to the season. And the numbers are what they are. Has it started to sink in that this might be the version of the Canucks that we see for the majority of the season? Well, they're not going to play 790 hockey, right? Like, like that's Bruins territory of last year. But if, if you, if, I think if you told fans they'll end up with 104 points or something like that, 630 hockey, I think they would look at it and say, like, yeah, okay, that's doable. Now, they'll, they'll have to cool off here, obviously. But you know, 104 points, I think, last year would have put you as the ninth best team or tenth best team last year. So if you kind of pitch that to Canucks fans, I think they'd look at that and say, well, it's 19 points so far through 12 games, you know, 104 seems doable. Um, I, I think that's kind of in the territory I'm in now. Uh, I came into this season. I thought they would make the playoffs, but now I feel like they've kind of graduated into, are they going to be a Pacific division seed? And like that to me is, is the bigger thing. It's they've gone from wildcard team to they're, they're competing for the tops in the Pacific division. Now I, I don't think they'll catch Vegas. Vegas might have the Boston Bruins type season because they have the depth. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I kind of feel like 100, 104 points is now kind of in the cards rather than you know scraping for 94, 96 type wins. Is any part of this start in your mind not repeatable? And what I mean by that is, is there any aspect of this group and how they're playing right now that they can't continue for the season? And I'll use an example. Is someone shooting at like 20% to start the season when it comes to shooting percentage, or is this all actually something that you think can be repeated for the overall close? Like you said, it's not going to be the same winning percentage, but the way that they're doing it, 
I mean, is, is that something that you see as something that can be repeated for the remainder of the year? Uh, that's interesting. I, I think a couple of people, like I, I, I trust in Thatcher Demko still being spectacular. I trust in Quinn Hughes and Elias Pedersen being spectacular. And I'm sure we'll talk about Quinn Hughes because it, it, it's even you know beyond a lot of people's expectations what he's doing right now. But it, it's, I, I feel like sometimes we try to reinvent the wheel. And like we know it's like you have a good center, you have a good D-man, you have a good goalie. Like three studs at all those positions. You can go a long way so long as you don't have you know, black hole type players that they have to like drag along. And I think that's the big thing is they've kind of deleted some guys from the roster that previously, you know, it felt like they had to cover for and compensate for. Now you're seeing just a freer version of Queen Hughes, seeing a freer version of uh, Elias Patterson and, and they're dominating play and, and they're driving play to the best of their abilities. And they got some people to go along with them right now. So um, like those three, and actually JT Miller's playing amazing right now too. I should say those four. Those four players, I think they can sustain their level of play. Maybe the production drops off, but you know, JT Miller's playing amazing defense right now. He's getting to the kitchen of the best team, the best players uh, on the opposition team. Like he, he's tying up Connor McDavid after the whistle and, and just frustrating him. And you see it unravel at, at the end of the, at the end of these games. Uh, two games, the, the the first game and the second game uh, here in in Vancouver. He's doing that consistently to a lot of teams' best players. Uh, that sort of stuff can can continue, I think, for the course of 82. The thing I'd be worried about is obviously any injury to any of those guys, but it's if, if they took an injury to like Tyler Myers or Ian Cole even, mm-hmm. then it's like, like the depth really starts to show up because like Mark Friedman, he's, he got acquired a couple of weeks ago. He's played reasonably well. But his minutes are down to like 10, 8 minutes. And, and that's your sixth D-man. If you lose any one of those D-men, suddenly is he going to have to play more? Who's the guy that steps in? Like that's when I start to get worried. But right now we're the healthy. They, they do look very formidable. What's been the secret sauce for Rick Tockett coming into his first full season? What's worked for him when it comes to translating his message to this group? It, it, it kind of goes with the Rick Tockett MO. It just feels like he doesn't take any sort of crap and it just hey just to be honest about it and he 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 challenges everyone and everything and i think it, it brings out an honest version of these players that they, they know where they stand with the coach but if you slack off he's not going to put up with it and the the jt miller benching from from a couple of games ago it, it's a moment like that it was four minutes it's only benched him for because he'd taken three minors but it matters and it resonates and, and it's not as if that faith then isn't put aside. Like he, he starts JT Miller in that, in that third period and JT Miller scores a goal later on that period. And you just see, it's like, okay, like you had your time out. We're good now. And immediately after the game, like everything was fine. Uh, and it, it, it's, we would typically look at a star player benching and say, well, Hey, this is a big deal, but they win the game. It's a, it's a move by Rick Tocca that worked, and it feels like he pushes the right buttons at the right times. And I, I, you know, we say that sometimes, and it's just about vibes, but it's backed, up with a, it's backed up with accountability here. It's backed up with performance. It's backed up with consistency from Rick Tocca. And it, it, he's really developed a level of trust with the players, and I think it's reciprocated to him as well, because last night he was talking um, that the players themselves, like when they went down early and the shots were 19-2, to two, he said he didn't have to say anything. The, the players took care of it themselves. They were mad at themselves, and, and they solved it. And that, to me, is a huge step for this organization 
because in years past, it always looked like guys were looking at someone else to solve it. And now you're looking at players that are trying to solve it themselves. Yeah, and it always feels like the coach only has so many shots to take, right, before he has to get the group to do it themselves because I, I don't know if you feel the same way or not. It just feels like in today's NHL, you have to get the group to buy into the message and be the one selling that message because if the coach has to do it time and time and you know over and over again, they'll just zone that guy out. But if he's gotten his message through and it's going through Quinn Hughes and JT Miller and all these other guys, it feels like a much safer way for the coach to go about his business, if that makes sense. Yeah, you know, like the, the, the coach sells it at the beginning of the year, right? It's like, here, here are our principles for the year. And when it's reinforced with results, because they go two and two to start the year, then they go on a three-game winning streak, and they end that road trip off really well with, with games against Florida and Nashville. And, you know, Rick Tuckett challenged them on the road trip. They, they had a terrible game against Philly where they didn't really skate, and he said, like, we need to be better. And they, they come up with a better performance against Tampa Bay. And then to end the road trip and have a successful road trip early in the year, I felt like it started to click for the team of, hey, like, if we have success, we can – we can sell ourselves on the idea. And then they have, they've, they've played really well since basically the Florida game, October 21st. They lose one game in OT to New York, and it was a really tight, energetic game that was topsy-turvy. And they've, they've shown some resiliency in it. And it does feel like Rick Tuck has kind of taken his hands off the wheel a bit. And these players are, are rewarding that faith because they're kind of doing it themselves. And at least the belief is reinforced by the fact that it's working. They've got seven wins here in their last eight. And, and in moments that, that they're able to rally. And like, I think in years past, we would have seen the first period against the Oilers and said, well, it's one nothing, 2 nothing, and, and this game's over. But they showed a little bit of a backbone last night. He's picking his arm from Sportsnet 650 in Vancouver, joining us this afternoon. Chat about the hot start for the Vancouver Canucks this season. Let's dive into some of those players specifically who have really taken the reins. We have to start with Quinn Hughes. I think that's that's first and foremost. He's got the captaincy on his sweater this year. And it, it I don't know, is it as simple as it looks like he's taking his game to uh, another level? Has Philip Roenick been a big part of it? What's led to this sort of red-hot start for Quinn Hughes? Because... At least when I've watched him, Bick, it feels like a, a slightly different player than the version we've seen going back the last few years in Vancouver. Yeah, I don't think it's any one thing. It could be a couple of contributing factors here. Obviously, you know, he's still a young player, 24, entering the prime of his career. So you start getting to another level naturally in your career. And all these players were pushed to have a big summer. That was the term we used nonstop that Rick Tocken said, hey, these guys have to have a big summer. Um, he, he's clearly gotten better on his own. Um, the other thing is the Philip Peronic pairing. It, it's a match made in heaven. Like I, he's, he's had good partners. Like he's played with Chris Tanev and, and it's messed really well, but this is the first type of player where I think they, they see the game similarly, but also he can trust Philip Peronic to do things that he probably hasn't had D men to do in the past, whether it's Luke Shan or Travis Hamernick or Noah Juleson. And there's been a, a host of guys here since Tanev has left that he paired with his own development and him starting to emerge as one of the league's best defenders to have someone else. It opens up different spaces for Quinn Hughes. And I think you see it both in the defensive zone that he's willing to pass the partner to the, sorry, pass the puck to his deep partner and then activate much earlier that he's not kind of playing as a safety net. He wants to be a rover. And to give your puck 
to, to, to your D partner and be able to trust that, that guy's going to make a play too. And you can connect earlier in the zone is, is good to see. And he's just willing to go downhill a lot more because teams have to respect that there's another guy you can handle the puck in the old zone. He's playing a lot with JT Miller and Elias Patterson. So there's just more space and he's, he's willing to attack guys downhill and it's, it's creating a lot of offensive opportunities for Quinn who already generates so much. Last year, I can remember a handful of conversations that you and me would have had about Brock Besser and JT Miller for different reasons and what their future looked like with the organization. And they've been two of the bigger storylines in Vancouver to start the year. JT Miller, I mean, is just, you've talked about him being that guy who can frustrate opponents, who can do a little bit of everything. He's physical. He's a point producer. He's just that all-around strong center. And Brock Besser, I mean, at 26 years old, really looks like the Brock Besser that Canucks fans fell in love with to start his career there, this goal-scoring threat from the right side. What's the biggest difference from last year to this year for those two guys, and what's gotten them off to, to be part of this hot start in Vancouver? Well, the JT Miller thing was always about it just the, the, the emotion and the edge just had to be channeled correctly. And it's not as if we hadn't seen you know, a, a peak version of JT Miller. Like his, his first year here in Vancouver, he, he was awesome. It was 72 points in 69 games. He was playing it from the wing. Then later on, he ends up putting up 99 and 80. It just, the, the emotion of it just needs to be channeled correctly. I think right now it absolutely is. But he's never not been a productive player. Since arriving in Vancouver, there's only been 18 players to have a better points per game than JT Miller across the league. Um, so he, he's, he's held up his end of the bargain from a production point of view. But it's the ownership. I think all three guys on that line would say it is they've been empowered to try to take on this role of going up against other teams' best players. And Brock Besser is someone that can fill a lot of gaps. He, he he's, gets labeled as a goal scorer because he can be a goal scorer, but he is good along the walls. He is responsible defensively. He's a decent playmaker. He can do all these things. It's just, you know, there was an emotional toll as well for Brock Besser the past couple of years that clearly uh, was weighing on him that he feels a little unburdened that he talked about coming into the preseason that he feels a bit more relaxed about everything now. And you're getting the best version of him. And, you know, the guy who's already going to win the Unsung Hero Award for the team when, when they hand out their team awards is Phil DiGiuseppe. It's, it's an unheralded name, and somehow they, they just, they, honestly, they make it work. It's, it's just so funny to watch that Phil DiGiuseppe just knows exactly what he has to do, get it on the forecheck, poke the puck free, and, like, J.T. Miller's always there along the wall to support him. And, and Brock, it feels like those three guys, Brock just knows I could peel off the wall earlier because those two guys are going to do all the work. He just he just in the right spots, and you know we we focus so much time on is player X better than player Y, and it's true, but sometimes it matters that player Y fits with player Z. And Phil DiGiuseppe is honestly like a a pivotal part of this group because it opens up JT Miller and Brock Besser. Is Phil DiGiuseppe the Chris Kunitz to JT Miller, Sidney Crosby? Is that what you're telling me? Perfect. Perfect. I'm stealing that one. I'm stealing that one on air. And like, I'm not even trying to be funny. I, I was on. I'm uh, not either. I'm, not, I'm dead serious. Yeah. I, I, was, I was doing the show with uh, with Peter Klein. I, I joined him like I think preseason or, or game two, um, and I said like, it still needs something matters, and it's even blowing our expectations. And it's it's he he's kind of become a, a, like a bit of a, a fan favorite, obviously because he's having so much success. But it's. It's just so funny, man. Like he's got four points in twelve games, but it just it just it works. It works, and if it means that you get the best version of JT Miller, 
um, who is a guy who can put up 99 points. It's it's fun to watch. Uh, okay, going to ask you about Elias Pettersson before we get out of here. Um, is there anybody happier about the start to this season for Elias Pettersson than his agent uh, heading into a year where he's going to be an RFA? Because, I mean, look, 102 points last year was great. I think he cemented himself in, in superstar status, and the guy just – he's a threat every time he's out there, Bick. Uh, if there's one thing you want to be happy about, you know, bridging a, a player and having those awkward conversations we had about his future with the organization, I mean, the guy's gone out and proved that he needs to be a Vancouver Canuck long-term and that this next deal needs to happen between these two sides, right? Yeah, it's really encouraging that not only is the team having success, obviously – um, he's a big focal point of it. And I, I got to be honest, like, I think there's another version, uh, like a better version of Elias Pettersson still to come later on this year. Like he's, he's kind of doing this banged up uh, a little bit as well. He, he, he kind of played through some injuries uh, on that opening road trip. And like he, he scored a hat trick uh, against Nashville. And Rick Tockett was focusing on how many turnovers he had in that game. And he's had a three-assist game against San Jose. You're able to put up a lot of points against San Jose. But I still think there's a better version uh, still to be unveiled from Elias Pettersson. So he's taken ownership of he's got to be one of the best players on the team if this team is meant to go have success. The team is starting to win. And he's going to get paid. There's, there's no doubt about it. He made a bet on himself, and it's working in a big way, obviously. Uh, I just I, – I, I, I'm – my temperature is lowered on the idea that we'll see Elias Pettersson play elsewhere significantly. I was already at like a three out of 10. Now it's down to like a one out of 10. I just don't know many situations where you're going to get your money. You're going to play in a, in a hotbed of a city and you're going to get to play with someone like Quinn Hughes. It's, it's just a, a, a huge selling point and they're having success. I, I, I would imagine this gets wrapped up at some point during the season, but I, I think it's just a matter of playing this out now. Uh, Bick, appreciate the time as always. Uh, if you want another positive to send to your listeners in Vancouver, uh, despite abysmal start here in Calgary, uh, the Canucks have gained plenty of, uh, of fans out here because they've contributed to what's been a terrible start for the Oilers as well, and that's made us very happy, uh, at least somewhat more happy. Uh, I do expect credit when you, uh, when you do get uh, Chris Kunitz comparison later, though. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I'm glad there's so many fans uh learning about the Canucks now. And the other thing too is like, I'm getting people I haven't talked to in 10 years, 20 years messaging me like, Hey, is this team good? It's, <laughs> it's, it's weird vibes here all of a sudden, like friends from high school. Actually, not even friends from high school, like acquaintances in high yeah. school messaging me. Yeah. It's a wild scenes right now. I appreciate you, pal. Thanks for the time, man. See ya. Take care. Big Nazar joining us down the Atlas Pizza and sports bar guest hotline. Uh, part of our sister station, Sportsnet 650. In Vancouver, yes, uh, a very strong start for the Vancouver Canucks. Uh, they're back in action on Thursday. They'll be in Ottawa to take on the Sens. They're heading east at the same time uh, as the Calgary Flames are. Of course, Flames in action against the Predators tonight uh, before they head out to uh, Toronto, Ottawa, and Montreal. You'll see the Canucks taking on some of those teams over the weekend as well. Uh, we did mention, yes, the Vancouver Canucks have been part of what's been a terrible start in Edmonton. The fan feedback line is loving it. Jack Campbell's been placed on waivers uh, for the purpose of reassignment today by the Oilers. They fell to the Canucks again last night, and the temperature is rising in the capital of Alberta. Uh, we'll talk all things Oilers around the corner. We'll kick off hour two chatting with our pal Brendan Escott from 630 Chad in Edmonton. 
uh, part of Oilers now for 6.30 and uh, just get a temperature check on what's going wrong with a team that so many people had as Stanley Cup contenders to start the year and have now dug themselves somehow an even deeper hole than the one that the Calgary Flames are in to start the year. So some Oilers talk coming around the corner. Plus, we'll dive back into this matchup for the Flames and the Nashville Predators. It's, of course, a game day. Flames coverage at 6 o'clock with Steinberg. He's got your Flames warm-up. Derek Wills and Megan Mickelson with the call of the Flames and the Predators still to come. We'll hear from Nazem Kadri on a game day, as well as Chris Tanev. So lots of Flames coverage coming your way. We're kicking off Hour 2 around the corner here on Sportsnet 960, The Fan.